0: Hey, swimming Are the Boxers. On this episode, we get to talk with our friend, Sam Ray. Sam is a former badass collegiate swimmer, a PT, physical therapist, triathlete, and a tri-coach. We get into a lot of different topics. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's get to it. (laughs) I've hit record, we are recording. see
1: it, we are recording.
0: That's right. Samantha Ray, Sam Ray, as I know you, welcome to some Out of the Box. Um, It's really, really nice to have you. I I think on the last podcast that I did with my friend Morgan, who's in um, South Carolina, actually, we were very briefly talking at the beginning of the podcast about how great it is to basically just have smart friends or friends that are like (laughs) interesting people or have like knowledge that the average person doesn't have. Because I don't have to go looking for podcast guests. Really, I can just be like, "Oh, hey, want to do a podcast?" Here we uh, "Yeah, we can do a podcast." Dumb
2: friends. friends are pretty good to have too. Dumb friends are great um, like, to have. Discount.
0: Everybody. They're entertaining. You can get them to do things. I'm pretty sure
2: that's why I'm here.
0: you hear the dumb friends? Friend. <laughs> that is not true. I disagree with that statement. Let's talk
1: to
2: Sam. Sam, who are you? Tell us all the things about yourself.
0: Give us better.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, First of all, thank you guys for having me on here. I'm excited to see you guys and be able to talk to you. Um, So basically a little bit of background on me. I'm born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. And I was here until I went up to Duquesne University for undergrad to swim up there in Pittsburgh. And then I stayed up there for PT school. And then I found my way back down here in North Carolina, now working as a PT.
0: Mm-mm. i wonder if you know someone that we know Ooh! didn't megan go to duquesne
2: i really don't remember
0: i think she did we'll talk we'll talk after the podcast perhaps let's we'll see if we know the same there are people. so many
2: schools that i'm like yeah that school, and it's like not right and they all start with d's <laughs> dennison dickinson
1: duquesne and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know, I know
2: those schools and I think they're all the same school. Like, I,
1: like, I can't in my head... Everyone crazy. says Duquesne is Duquesne, so Ooh, I mean, no I, one I, even I, knows how to pronounce that's it.
0: That's funny. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of interesting in that you, I know you, Sam, because you heard me on a podcast yes. and you reached out <laughs> to me decades ago, forever ago, like three years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it turned out you also know our manager, Sydney, because you guys used to swim against each other when you were younger. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, wow, the swimming world is so small. And now if we can make this other connection. (laughs) Yes. Whoa. If you actually do know this person, my mind will be blown. I I think you probably do know
1: her. I don't know.
0: Did you swim with someone named Megan?
1: There was a few Megans on our team, yeah.
0: It's like, (laughs) duh. It's like always like, (laughs) It's always like 20 Megans on the team. I was just upset.
2: I didn't have a Megan, but I talked it. Ashley's. I, just, I had a Megan, I had an Ashley. <laughs> I can picture them both right now. See? There's always an Ashley <laughs> and a Megan. It's always. so funny when they become real people.
1: You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I
0: shouldn't <laughs> talk about that. Um, what, were, what was your, your specialty? What were you like best at in 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 college, swimming-wise? Mm-hmm.
1: Swimming? Um, best at was the 100 free style. Mm-mm. And, yeah. And then I would say the 200 free and then 5,300 fly after that. You okay. just swim
2: for all the distances, basically, except you're not a distance swimmer. She's a middle so distance swimmer, technically. That's right.
1: And that's business. right. But now I'm training for half Ironman, so I have to swim the, the oh. 1.2 to start oh. off. And I'm like, this is not me. No, that's <laughs>
0: not funny. Why the half Ironman? So I'm trying Ironman? to
1: transition myself. Why not um, sprint?
2: Yeah, sprint's so much fun. And no I did a
1: few sprints last year, and then I – I think I just feel like seeing if I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I started yep. increasing my biking distance a lot. So now I've biked more than I'll have to for the half Ironman. Ooh. And I'm probably going to do a half marathon in January to March for the run. So then I'm
0: like, I might as well do it. Yeah, there you go.
2: I get that. I feel like most people are like, do a sprint. No one does the sprints. But the people who do sprints, like me and Sam, in regular parts of life, are like, but could I finish that? I just went wanna- <laughs> yeah. to do it. But could I do more? Because <laughs> yeah. hmm. if I did yeah. that, there's no way that I would like race the whole thing. I would race a little because I have pride. Like a half you mean. Yeah. But I would I would probably have to do the swim pretty intensely and then I would just have to complete the bike and the run. Like I'm pretty sure that's what I would do. So yeah
0: what's your weakest link of the three? <laughs> Hopefully not Ooh. the swim.
1: Yeah, not the swim, no. Um, I would say initially it was the cycling just because it was the one thing I hadn't actually done competitively at any point. Um, But now I'm loving the cycling. It's actually gotten a lot easier. It's fun, especially when the weather's nice. It's the perfect thing to do outside. Um, So now I'm trying to get my running back. That's where I'm at.
2: Are you doing – Um, I know you have better weather than we do winter wise. So is everything going to be able to train outside for you? Are you going to have to do anything inside?
1: I'll probably have to switch at least the cycling to do inside on the trainer. Yeah. Just because with the wind, it'll be pretty cold. It's brutal. Like December, January, it might Mm -hmm. be too cold.
2: I, remember, like, I
0: hate being on a bike, so. When
2: I trained for a few sprints and was just biking, it wasn't even December. It wasn't even, like, winter, quote-unquote, here yet. I think it was, like, 45 degrees one day, and I was supposed to do yeah. a 15-mile ride, which is nothing, right? And I was, like, I was just frozen. <laughs>
1: yeah. And,
2: like, people are out for runs, and they're fine, and everyone's fine, <laughs> but you don't understand. <laughs> like, until you're biking, and you don't get it.
0: Yeah. I, it's I, a different have zero mm-hmm. tolerance or patience for cycling. I commend everyone who does it and, you know, props to you, but it's just not for me. I'd, I'd sooner do a swim run than I do any sort of triathlon. I'm just not interested in a, being on a bike. Yeah, so
2: I'm going to pivot now. So, you. <laughs> Smooth <laughs> um, transition. I know, I'm very good. They're, very, they're undetectable. Um, so how did you go from being a swimmer to turning that into something slightly different for your career? Cause I mean, it's still a part of it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, part, so part of it is that at the clinic I'm at right now, one of the other PTs is a big triathlete. Mm-hmm. And so he was just talking to me about some of the races and, you know, you'd be able to do this part, you know, you could go and do a sprint. And so then I did a few of the sprints and I was like, this is a good way for me to start competing again. Mm -hmm. You know, I could, I could go and swim every day and it'd be great and I'd love it, but I need, I need races and I need people to compete against. And so then when I saw, okay, I could add in some other, other things like the cycling and the running, Mm -hmm. it just kind of worked and fit. Do Um, you
2: need that? competition side to like give yourself yourself motivation to work out
1: um I think that it definitely helps it helps knowing that I have a race um so it's not necessarily like who's there who I really want to beat or something like that it's just I know that I have a race coming up and I'm not going to embarrass myself so I need to train So it's
2: not like oh I can't, can't wait to eat that <laughs> yeah, like I cannot
1: mess it no. up so.
0: <laughs> it's a good motivator. Fear of death is a good motivator for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Once you lose that fear, by the way, you don't care anymore. You just half-ass things. I know that feeling.
2: You know that in my first try that I got second in my age group that I walked for thirty seconds. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Do you know? Who walked by me and who beat me by nine seconds? The person who got first in my age group, and I had to walk up to the metal stand and go. Mm-hmm. I watched you. I watched you just slowly jog. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: like it doesn't matter, but it does.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's fine. No one knows. And then, of course, I have to tell everyone. Right. Well, yeah.
0: The world is. Enough. You've
2: got to know. Um, I'm curious. Do you think that now that you are a PT and you're practicing, does that help you? in your own training? Or do you almost switch mindsets? Because like, I'll be swimming, and I know I'm doing something wrong. But I won't always necessarily change it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I think it helps in the sense that especially right now, I'm kind of writing my own program. So um, it helps as far as you know, thinking about smart progressions. And Doing the proper dynamic warm up for things, and mm-hmm. I add in some of my injury prevention exercises. So all of that really helps. Um, but it, I don't think it translates when, let's say, I'm on <laughs> a run and something starts to hurt. Like it's not like I'm gonna stop. Whereas I would tell my patient to, I'm not going to.
0: Are so you kind
1: of translates?
0: Are your patients going to listen to this? Because if they, they will, do. and they
1: they totally know this about me. Like I came in in a boot one day, and they were like, "Okay, so you didn't listen to your own advice." I'm like ah. It also
0: comes with with you know aging as well. The more seasoned you become, the more likely you're like, you know what? It ain't worth breaking my, my ankle over. <laughs> it's not worth that high ankle sprain. Maybe I should just stop and walk a bit. I, I'm just, I know that feeling because I definitely have been where you are now and where I am now, two different places, two different <laughs> mindsets. It's like,
2: you can't. I want to push
0: myself. I want to push myself. And then it's like, well, I want to push myself. I want to push myself for tomorrow too. And if I hurt <laughs> yeah. myself, I can't.
1: Yeah, I want to be able to walk tomorrow. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. How did you? When did you start? Kind of making the transition mentally from swimmer to physical therapist to now you actually coach swimming as well. Um, mm-hmm. When did you know, or how did you come to this like idea? Like I want to help people, or I want to be involved in PT.
1: Yeah, I think that it almost started to kind of transition that way. Even like my senior year of swimming um and just starting to take more of an active role helping with some of the underclassmen and wanting to wanting to help them wanting to be a little bit more involved in making sure that the program was going to continue to succeed after i left and then i still had two more years of pt school while i was at duquesne so then i was a student assistant coach for the last two years when I was finishing up um, and that was amazing. So doing that, I kind of knew that, all right, I wanna be able to have an active role in this side and help people who still have a lot of their career left and a lot of good years left.
0: Okay. Um, Is there like a motivating force or drive that like helps you get up in the morning and go, I'm gonna help somebody today? Or is it just, you just get off on really helping people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's what what makes me feel like I had a productive day. You know, like if I can go home and I'm thinking about all the people that came in and, you know, I'm thinking about everybody's program, what everybody needs to be doing. You know, I feel like I'm constantly checking in on people because I just want to make sure that everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. Everyone is ready for the next day, the next week of training. And yeah, it just gets me excited.
0: Yeah, I get that. I, um, I've recently kind of backed off doing lessons. I only do like four clients a week now. Um, and there, there is definitely a sensation that you get while working with people of accomplishment, like done for the day. I just helped as many people as I could in today, you know, and now that I'm, I'm doing more behind the scenes stuff, it's fulfilling, but not in the same way. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought to like, if I only ever had an office job, would I know this feeling? Probably not. And so it's also thinking, like, would I miss this feeling if I never knew it? You know, like, right. do people that have office jobs get to experience this in some way? I don't know. I've never right. really been an office job.
2: I mean, you could call my portion of swim box an office job if you really want to, like, yeah, it just is. diminish me to that small of a... You really want to go I there. <laughs> I know how much you hate them. Um, I think it's different because you, st- to me, I'm still helping the same kinds of people that you're helping, just in a different way. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's really nothing interesting to talk about there. I probably shouldn't have answered.
0: You <laughs> <I was wrong. laughs> just wanted
2: to defend. I defend myself. People who don't get
0: to, like, help one-on-one.
2: Yeah, you have support, too. That. Don't forget about the little people. <laughs>
1: I
0: won't forget you.
2: So, I think something really interesting about your PT clinic, um, and I don't know, I think this is predominantly you, but that's just from my perspective. You have a lot of interesting movements and exercises that you post on your Instagram account that I really enjoy because I don't necessarily need to go anywhere to do them, but they're also not a squat that you need me to do 80 million times over and over. So what do you, like, how do you guys, do you come up with those? Like, is this a joint thing? Like, where do you come up with the ones that I've never seen before?
1: Yeah. I mean, so a lot of them come from either courses that we've done or honestly just browsing through, you know, other content that PTs are putting out there Mm -hmm. and then seeing, you know, do I like that if I don't like it? How can I make it a little bit more functional so that I will like it? Um, By not like, do you
2: mean like, is it incorrect or it just doesn't apply to where you're trying to apply it?
1: Yeah, it's more about how to apply it. You know, like if it's an exercise for a swimmer, but it doesn't involve any sort of overhead strengthening, well then I don't really know if I like it, you know, so then I'll just kind of play around with the exercises until I feel like I'm getting the resistance where I want it. And they're able to apply the concept that I'm trying to teach with that exercise. So that's why a lot of times they're a little bit, you know, different and things that people haven't seen because we're trying to make it functional and we're trying to make all the exercises, things that, like you said, you can do at home, you can do anywhere, And it's just you being able to practice different movement patterns and really neuromuscular
0: retraining. So, and right before we started recording, you were starting to tell us about Volt?
1: Yes. Please elaborate. (laughs) I will. Um, So, yes, during this year, I started to create a coaching platform that's totally virtual. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it's called Volt Movement. So it's mainly for, you know, triathletes, but any of the disciplines as well. So anyone who's just a swimmer, just a runner, just a cyclist, or someone who's a triathlete. But what I do is I first talk to them about any races they have coming up, what their goals are, where they're at in their training right now. And then we create a program that takes them up to their race day. And... Some of that can also involve some biomechanics analysis, so we can use our 3D run, things like that to tie into their programming if they're in the area or if they want to drive to the area and do that. Um, You know, eventually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, some of it too, doing doing swimming analysis, if I have access to go to the pool that they're at, um, some people will send videos of themselves as well. Some people will send videos of them running um, and we're trying to even get a bike fit analysis set up currently right now. So it's a combination of me creating the program for someone and then also tying in the biomechanics analysis, which is, you know, more of the just nitpicky type of things to make sure that we're tying in that injury prevention. Um, And for some people, we even do give some rehab injury prevention exercises that they incorporate into their program just based on what we find.
0: Okay. So when, well, yeah, when you say, I was going to ask, when you say programming, what exactly does that mean? Cause that can mean a lot of different things to different people. It can yes. just be injury prevention. It can be a seasonal plan, right? Just a workout. It can be workout. Yeah. Right. So what does programming right. mean in this instance?
1: Yeah. So especially for, let's say that someone's got a the triathlon coming up, a sprint triathlon um so if we know let's say we're 12 weeks out so i will literally create a program that has when they need to be swimming when they need to be cycling when they need to be running how much at what pace every little detail that they could possibly need um and then if they do have some sort of biomechanics analysis which i recommend that everyone does to some extent, then we also tie in, okay, here's what we're seeing in each of the three disciplines. So you need to make sure that you're doing some of these strengthening exercises, or you're doing some of this retraining on the side, even on your rest days to make sure that Mm -hmm. by the end of the 12 weeks, we're not flirting with that line of injury.
2: So you said biomechanical analysis, how would you explain that to someone who didn't go to school?
1: Yeah. So basically it's just looking at what's happening at each of the joints at each phase in the running cycle, swimming cycle, or cycling. So what's happening at all of the joint levels? Are we seeing any compensations anywhere? Are we seeing just different movement patterns that we want to see and that we don't want to see? So that um,
2: you really make, I would assume, very specific personalized plans for people. Correct. Okay.
1: Yeah. Right. So it's, that, and that's why I created it because, you know, you can go online and just look up, you know, first time sprint triathlon program, yeah. right. All and right. you'll get something generated and sure. I mean, you know, I'm sure it will be fine. Right. But it's not going to give you exactly what you need, you know, versus right. what I would need, you know, versus the next person that walks in, everyone's going to need something a little bit different. So that's why I wanted to create this coaching platform because I think it's, it's something that people need to realize that everyone is different and we all need something different and that's fine. Um,
0: I I think that's why I might be remembering incorrectly, but you know, I kind of vaguely remember one of the reasons we connected so well is the understanding that there is the science of N and there's this idea that there people are individuals and that you cannot just make blanket statements about training or uh, maintenance work, or nutrition, special nutrition, Mm -hmm. right? And and I think a lot of people, for some reason, don't understand that. But, I mean, I feel like everyone should realize they're snowflakes. Everyone should realize they're special and individuals, right? And so, (laughs) if you do that emotionally, why can't you understand that physically as well? Right. Uh, So, that makes complete sense. So, how do they find Volt Movement? Is it just a website? Is it – how do they – Yeah, so, right –
1: Yeah. So right now I've got the website up, which is just voltmovement.com. And then we've got an Instagram as well. That's volt.movement. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty new. So it's a lot of just spreading word of mouth and trying to get the name out there as much as possible. So is it yours or is it your? It's mine. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's totally separate of Upright Athlete.
0: Yeah. Sam is super ambitious. No, I'm seriously.
1: I know. Mess yeah,
2: I can barely bake for our new neighbors and do my job and <laughs> hard for me, so you would think I would be better at that. <laughs>
0: um, so one of the reasons why uh, this podcast actually is happening is because you have a new podcast with Upright Athlete, the Upright Athlete yeah. Podcast. And I was like, why didn't I ask Sam Ray to be on the podcast before? <laughs> Sometimes I'm slow to pick up on things. Um, Tell us about the upright athlete podcast. How often do you guys do it? How, you know,
2: what do you talk? What about? do you talk
0: about? Those types yeah. of yeah,
1: yeah. So also a pretty new thing that we've started. Um, so our main idea behind this podcast is we want to get opinions from anyone in the spectrum. So what I mean by right. that is we want to get we get let's say we want to get the athlete. We want to get opinions from different PTs. We want to get opinions from coaches. We want to get opinions from physicians. We want to get opinions from the surgeons who are working with those athletes, the athletic trainers at the university. We want to get everybody's take on the athlete and the process that they go through as an athlete. So for example, our first episode that we did was with an athlete who's a professional soccer player. And she went through the process of being injured and having a rehab during the pandemic and get back to playing even when she doesn't know when she's going to start playing. And this, this huge process of, you know, it's physical, but it's also mental and it's emotional and it's all of these different things. And you're just getting that perspective of her being so dedicated to her sport and willing to do whatever it takes to get back to that. Um, And then our second podcast, we went in and worked specifically with a PT who has started PT programs, and he works a lot with runners and rehabbing runners. So then it's getting the perspective from the other side of what's it like to work with these athletes who will do whatever it takes to get back to their sport. So it's just fun to see all of the different perspectives, and Mm -hmm. we want to get the whole scope, not just one side of every story, you know?
2: Oh, no, that sounds super interesting. Yeah. Um, because I, I feel like as a person who called themselves an athlete, I never know people's definitions of that, you know? Like who thinks, I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, at what point are you an athlete? Yeah, I don't, I'm athlete. Just because I run, does right. that mean I'm like an athlete? I like pick
2: things up. Right. And, like, right. Down, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. um, I just do think it's, I think it's interesting. because you like forget all of the facets of the human like psyche in terms of putting yourself through something difficult because I feel like surface level you're like that guy's crazy look what he's doing waking up every day at 3.30 blah, blah blah like he's got a lot of ambition good for him and like everyone sort of shuts the door at that and it's right. it sounds interesting to get the other perspectives of things because you're right it's very emotional you have no idea what they're going on and other aspects of their life or how it's affecting them that sounds super interesting
0: yeah, and yeah it's been fun I think I like the idea of hearing all these different perspectives because you're bound to learn something. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. that's why I started doing a podcast is because I wanted to get to know the person behind the clinician, so to speak. Um, yeah. you know, so we talk to lots of different people. We really do. And it's an opportunity to learn about those people and what motivates them or like, that's why I was asking you about like, why did you just go into PT and, and why did you decide to be a swim coach? Right. <laughs> those, those thoughts that lead you down there get really lost over time, uh, unless you have a very strong mission statement, but it's always interesting to find out, especially people that have been doing this for a really long time. It's like, why did you get started and how has it changed? I mean, all right. How long you've been a all PT right. now? Two years. Is that Right three years Going on
1: year three. Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, and it's like, that's a pretty new career for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Three yeah. Fairly new. So it should be easy for you to like, think back and go, I wanted to be a PT cause I wanted to help people. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always curious to find out the person behind the clinician and the motivators behind that. Um, and so then it's like, well, you're asking the athletes who are obsessed about their sport in one term or in one way, but then there's also, coaches and trainers and physical therapists that are also obsessed about that same sport, but obsessed in a way different way. Yeah, right. that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, we have uh, an instructor who is a total fanboy of swimming. Like, he can tell you times for the top swimmers, he can tell you top swimmers across the world, and he's also a great you know technician. He understands that stuff. I right. don't care about who the top swimmers are in the world. <laughs> I am not a fanboy of swimming. I am a fanboy of technique, and I love the idea of just how do we maximize movement, how to optimize somebody, is optimization the best thing for this person, right? Because we have to consider, I think we talked about this with Vic, who's a physical therapist, Um, you know, is optimization for the sport best for that person's life, right? Right. And it's
2: (laughs) probably not. Ultimately, yeah.
0: It's up, right. So well, now
2: that you've said you want to get to know the person, I'm going to stomp all over that and stomp all about, over. It. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I always um, think from experience and from just being around other swimmers that the most common place for a swimmer to be injured is their shoulder. Do you agree? Or do you think that people say that because it's easy?
1: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it even depends on the stroke. In the distance, right? So, I'm not gonna, you know, so I, I, yeah, sure. If you're a distance freestyler, then your shoulder's probably not gonna feel awesome. Um, but if you're a sprint breaststroker, then that could be a whole different series of issues. Um, uh-huh. yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, so Yeah, I think that I think that shoulders are this just huge, huge idea in swimming just because, I mean, we know a lot of really well-known swimmers that have had shoulder injuries, right? And they always, everyone sees the cupping all over the shoulders. So everyone's like, wow, their shoulders must be hurting. Um, But I think even depending on technique, someone, someone can have a whole slew of injuries from the shoulders to the back, to the hips, to the knees. I mean, yeah, what I, have you
2: seen other than shoulders? Like, I'm very curious because I just, I mean, I did free and fly. Like, my shoulder is fucked. Let's be real. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, there we like, go. I
2: have, I have at least two or three pairs, <laughs> I think, in my right shoulder, room, like 100%. I do yoga. They still hurt me.
0: So, I want to interject really quickly and say that I think the shoulder, because it is such a versatile joint, will often result in injury, they, they, it bears the brunt of the injury because of a compensation somewhere else in the body.
2: Right. And that's, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And that's why I was curious, like what you, like what Sam's seen? Cause I don't see it. I just hear people complaining to me and I have my own experiences <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right because of X, Y, and Z. And I can point out all of the things that you need to do to not compensate that way and to take the power right. out of it. But like, I don't really know much
1: about it
0: why you might compensate and hurt
1: your
2: shoulder. I don't want to know why.
1: No, that's a a perfect point. So a lot of times, yes, if someone comes in with shoulder pain, that's the effect of something, Mm -hmm. right? And so, yes, we're going to address that and we want to eliminate the shoulder pain, but the cause of why they're having the shoulder pain could be because they're lacking thoracic rotation. It could be because their lumbar spine is not very mobile. It could be because they don't know how to engage their core when they're swimming. It could just be so many different things that, yeah, we'll address the shoulder pain. But why you're here is because of something that's happening at your lower body, you know, or something that's happening at your torso. And so I think that the shoulders, like you said, Dominic, it's just an easy spot for people to compensate with. And so they will. I mean, we are, as human beings, we are fantastic at compensating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. But we will. Yeah. I mean, think about, I know this happens to you when you run your shoulder starts hurting. Yep. Right. That's yeah. that Does happen to people. It's happened to me in the past as well. I will I'll be running. And then all of a sudden my shoulder hurts while I run. Well,
1: yeah. What am I really
0: doing with it's my shoulder massive. to cause that pain? Right. Well, it's not like I'm moving weight with it. It's just how I am moving and, you know, or maybe lack there of moving mm-hmm. that's causing right. an that issue. So it's, I'm not a physical therapist, but that's why I love doing what I get to do because it's just problem solving. It's just an opportunity to like break down somebody's movement, try to understand their abilities and their limitations and, and, and kind of figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm because I'm not a physical therapist and I can just look at swimmers. You know, it, it makes it very easy for me, but if I had to understand running, And cycling, and rowing, and wrestling, (laughs) ballet, and all these other things. It's like I couldn't figure that out.
2: (laughs) Is there anyone that's come into you that you've just been like blown away by how weird it was? Like their problem, or no?
1: Nothing. Uh, There has no. There hasn't been anything so crazy that it couldn't be. Eventually explained.
2: (laughs) I feel like everyone wants to be that person where you're like, no, you really don't get it.
1: Like, you just don't get it.
2: When I, when I, everything's lit. You You don't get it. No, you're not that special. Like, everyone's built pretty much the same. (laughs)
0: Pretty much, but different.
2: Right. But I do think it's interesting. You're like, I I feel like people want to be that weirdness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like everyone wants to be like that special like, no. patient on house. The
1: 20 people who've <laughs> right. told me the same thing that you're telling me are not accurate. I am right. Because yeah. like you want to be able to justify your pain, you know? Yeah. If mm-hmm. you're in pain, you're like, I want this to be an incredibly rare thing that no one has seen because why has this been bothering me for so long mm-hmm. right. if it's not incredibly rare? <laughs> tell me.
0: <laughs> right. why, why is it that my friends can run and I can't? Yeah.
2: Right. I'd love someone it to must be you. why my Extraordinary like reason. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I would, yes, we'll we'll come down to Raleigh Durham, and we're gonna blow your mind with Lissa's knees. They sound like Velcro. I'll just walk it's up gross. and down stairs okay. you,
2: and you can listen. <laughs> we should just have a whole podcast of me walking, and you can listen to the different sounds. <laughs>
0: and let everyone just vomit from it's the sound. It's not of funny your knees. when you've yeah. heard it,
2: <laughs> but when you've heard
0: it, um, it's aggressive. I was going to say I was recalling when I was asking about the upright athlete podcast, and you know I was recalling. Um, My favorite podcast, I think, personally, from Swim Out of the Box, is when you and Bill did a podcast together. You know Bill Brenner.
2: Yeah, about food.
0: Because it had nothing to do do with
2: anything. Anything
0: about (laughs) swimming.
2: And you both
0: tried really hard to make it about swimming.
2: You literally It had
0: nothing to do with it. It was hysterical (laughs) to watch you two talk about food. Because that's what it was about.
2: You told us five seconds before recording said podcast that you weren't going to be on it.
0: No. This is not what I do.
2: I sit here and add mild comic relief or annoy people who want me to stop talking as much. (laughs) I I I have nothing to go off of.
0: But I really enjoyed it because it was just two people having a conversation. Mildly about swimming. Bill tried really hard to be like, "Oh, these are the vitamins I take." Let's talk about donuts.
2: I do think it was funny because he was talking about something and I totally disagreed with it. I was just like, "No,"
1: but I don't
2: want to say that. So I'll just move on. I what that was. There was something about breakfast before he worked out, and oh, I was sitting here like being breakfast. like, "No, I like to fast before I work out," but then I'd have to talk about that, and I'm just sitting here waiting to go to dinner, so I just
1: won't bring that up. <laughs>
0: That's I hate awesome. before I work out. I, ha- I like working I, out.
1: Yeah, I don't normally eat before I work out.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Exactly. I don't
1: like the feeling in my stomach. Mm-mm.
0: I agree. It's awkward. Yeah, so um, I want to go back to vault movement. Um, as of right now, you're basically setting yourself up to be an online tri-coach, right?
1: Yeah.
0: But maybe an online tri-coach with a different perspective. Right. Um,
2: where do you, I want to interject actually, sure. um, since you are, you posted like that, where does your cycling knowledge come from? If you're programming for every piece of the tribe, yeah. um, did you, where do you, where do you bring that from?
1: Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, one of the PTs here at the clinic is a big triathlete, but starting to, I guess, transition more and more into just cycling Mm -hmm. So he introduced me to a cycling club called Bull City Burn that's here in Durham. So Mm -hmm. I go out and cycle with them and I've gotten to know a lot of the cyclists. Um, One PT who did a lot of her research actually on like the proper bike fit and cycling. Um, So I've just gotten a ton of knowledge from them and then just doing my own research on what other people are doing in the country, how we're actually analyzing bike fit, how we're programming cycling for bigger races. Um yeah. So then I just
0: do you find there's a beat. lot of conceptual crossover from the disciplines that you know like, well, this is how things would be for a swimmer. Well it's not that different for a cyclist and a runner.
1: Right. Right. A lot of it is smart progressions and knowing how to progress when you should tie in more of the power speed work, when you should focus more on building a base, things like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I get in trouble a lot of the time with one of my clients who is an avid cyclist. I okay. tell her, I hope she hears this cause I'll tell it to her face
1: again. <laughs> I hope she's listening.
0: I hope she is. <laughs> um, that cycling is a lower skill acquisition sport. That is not to say <laughs> sure it doesn't take skill. It just means to acquire that skill level to be on a bike is lower than swimming. That's it. Right. And I so agree.
2: mechanically, I don't see how you can argue with that.
0: Well, there's an ego involved, right? And I'm not saying that swimming is the highest skill acquisition of sport. It is not. I would say something like volleyball is a higher skill acquisition than swimming cricket. I don't know about cricket. It could be. I have no idea. I'm
2: just naming. Weird right,
0: because there's a lot. There's outside factors, in swimming. It's it's more about internal factors. Um, but nonetheless, it's hard to acquire these skills as a swimmer. Um, and so, with that in mind, Maybe you should
2: say the correct skills. It's just skills. Well, I'm <laughs> that's implied, saying, right? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, no one wants can...
0: to know the bad skills or no. the wrong. Skills. <laughs> no.
2: No, I'm seeing that there are clients who come to us and we teach them how to swim. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that they know how to swim the same way that your client of 15 years knows how to swim. Those are completely different lessons. The mechanics of them are completely different. So Mm -hmm. a person who's just learned how to swim versus someone who everyone knows, Katie Ledecky, very different, very different skill set, very different mechanical moving parts. So that's what I'm trying to say. A three-year-old can get on a bike and quote unquote bike. Uh huh. but then you have a cyclist who has a different set of mechanical skills right this is
0: about learning the skill of the sport initially as a beginner and you can very easily see it because you can teach someone to ride a bike in a day you can't right?
2: people. but who you can't
0: you, you can't teach someone how to swim in a day it doesn't work that way hmm. there's a tremendous amount of time spent to learn how to swim to acquire those skills to learn how to swim 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 to swim um, not and not to swim at an elite level this is just baseline beginner level it's a lot of skill acquisition and so my point was uh, i went down this road because if if you have an understanding of swimming and you know how technique driven swimming is it's much easier, in my opinion, to coach the other two sports. Not to say there aren't techniques in the other two sports. There are, especially when it comes to running. There's a lot of mechanical issues that have to be addressed in running. But Sam doesn't need to necessarily be an expert in running to to coach a runner. Because I she already ar- <laughs> understands these movements. I don't think I
2: movements. said that. Did I say that, Sam? Pretty sure I never had I don't that
0: think sense. You did. Around. I didn't. I'm not arguing with
2: happening right now.
0: I'm not arguing. She she seems like you are. I think. I think one thing. I'm explaining think, myself. I'm explaining think, myself. Nothing to do. I think do.
1: one thing that goes to your your point of the, the mechanical differences between a swimmer and a cyclist is a lot of cycling, right, is making sure that your bike fits to you. And that's why bike fits are so important and making sure that you're, you're changing all of the parts to make sure that you can get on your bike, your bike fits well for you. And so therefore you're able to be in the right position when you're cycling. Awesome. Swimming, we have to fit our bodies to the water, <laughs> which is a much more challenging process because you have to learn to adapt yourself for what you're about to do. Versus, okay, I'm going to take my bike and make sure it fits me properly, and then I'm going to get on it, and it, it should work, right? That's and so those are different, different concepts, and why I think swimming is so challenging, because you need to figure out, can you feel the water first? Mm-hmm. Can you feel what you're doing? And then we have to take every little detail and make it as flawless as we can make it for you mm-hmm. to get through the water.
0: Which is not easy
1: which is not easy.
0: (laughs) Most people determine how they move based off of their uh, range of motion. And when they hit that limit, that's how I move. I can't move any way else. So that must be how I should move, right? And so when you can move in so many different ways with swimming, it is infinitely confusing. And it's always, without fail, if you show someone a video of them swimming, like a hundred percent of the time, they always don't recognize themselves. Oh, I was doing that. They have right. no idea because in their mind, their limitation or their their the end of their range of motion isn't what they perceive. So it's really fun in that way. But when it comes to cycling, there are lots of skills to learn, right? I, right. I'm not a cyclist at all for a reason because I. Cannot learn those skills very easily. I have no desire to fall and break a bone. That's it, <laughs> right? In swimming, you fall. There's no such thing as falling in swimming. So you can't really you know, fall and break a bone in swimming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I have broken my hand have while Have you had
2: someone fall on you at a pool? Because I have.
0: <laughs> I broke my hand on somebody's foot while I was swimming.
2: Well, then you just lied.
0: No, but I didn't broke fall, hand. <laughs> right? And so like there's this like other <laughs> okay. thing going on in cycling. Um, I like to compare the two all the time though. There's, there's so there's like, I was talking to Sam a second ago about sort of these concepts that transition over momentum is one of those concepts. The faster I swim, the easier it is for me to balance. Guess what? The faster I am on a bike, the easier my balance is on a bike. These are similar concepts yeah. from completely two different sports. But once you start learning those things, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to bridge gaps for people. And I think that's, where a good coach exists versus a a coach who who will be good at some point. right. Once you start bridging those gaps and you can connect with someone who has a different mindset because they're coming from a different perspective because of a different sport. Yeah. Now, you know, like, Oh, I'm connecting because I understand somewhat of their sport. I will never understand the appeal of cycling. I just won't. I don't get it. I don't want to have a sore butt. I just don't. I mean, I, I kind of get like bikes are cool, all the gear is really cool. I get all yeah. that. <laughs> but I don't really get the desire to go a century. Like it doesn't, it doesn't do for me. I'll, I, would, I would rather start sooner run a hundred miles than ride a hundred miles.
2: Yeah, At least attempt,
0: attempt to run a hundred miles. <laughs> I probably won't. <laughs> but I would attempt it before I try to get on a bike and go a hundred miles. Anyway, that's me.
2: Sorry, now that
0: this has spun <laughs> off into the Taco Dominic show, maybe we should wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. All right. Um, so how can people find the Upright Athlete podcast?
1: Yes. So we have the link to the podcast in our Instagram. Okay. And we are on Spotify. And we should be on Apple Music in the next couple of days as well.
0: Okay, cool. Um yeah. so
2: Am I supposed to say Apple music instead of iTunes now? Am I old?
1: I am not sure. That's a good question. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think technically it's Apple music now. I think,
2: I think now. it is Apple music now. I
0: think you're right. And,
2: and I keep being like, but you can iTunes.
0: say we're on Apple podcasts.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Continue,
1: Sam.
0: <laughs> um, so we'll take whatever you send us that link and we'll put it in our information for this mm-hmm. as well.
1: Okay, great
0: um yeah, and then that's awesome um is it being posted on your website at all or no
1: um it should be soon yeah it's currently not okay um but it will be especially as we start to get more and more episodes we'll have a link to it
0: okay and Volt movement <laughs> VoltMovement.com? and
1: VoltMovement.com. Or yeah. volt
0: movement.com yeah movement
1: volt dot Movement on instagram
0: there you go uh any last words anything you need to like just get out there before we
1: Burning things. Yeah.
0: Like, you gotta express yourself.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. This has been awesome. I love I love talking about this stuff. So I'm just excited to be here and chat about it.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I spoke spoke so much about myself and my disdain for cycling. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you know, one give, day. Maybe one I, day. I give props to everyone who does it because I I can't. I you know.
2: Good. That's great. So.
0: Anyway, on that note, let's say goodbye, Sam. It been <laughs> a pleasure. Um, anything you need to add before we go? I
2: don't have anything to say. All right, finish the podcast. <laughs> okay,
1: guys. You can
2: find us on Instagram swim underscore box. You can find us anywhere online if you Google
1: the swim box. Is that what you needed? Did you need some That's, help? I needed some help. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>